Welcome to The Gods We Belong To, an urban fantasy noir podcast. The Gods We Belong To tells one continuous story in order, and it's important to start at the beginning. So, first timers, it's back to episode one for you. Now, my faithful friends, take a beat, take a breath, and let's check in with Alex. Chapter 3 I dreamed of a tree, an enormous tree whose canopy seemed to span the horizon, piercing the crust of the earth and the vault of the sky. In its high branches perched a magnificent golden eagle with feathers like burnished brass and a clear, piercing cry. Coiled among the deep roots, a coal-black dragon gnawed at the tree's flesh, pausing occasionally to hiss and spit hatefully. A small, swift squirrel ran up and down the tree between the two creatures, carrying the details of their presumably caustic repartee. Deeper still, beneath the roots, I saw a well that felt ancient beyond reckoning. A figure stood at the well, cloaked and hooded. He reached down into its depths, drawing out a drinking horn filled to the brim, and downed its contents in several thirsty gulps. Then he turned his gaze to me. He saw me just as I saw him, and the face I saw was my own. Then I awoke. I was lying on the hall's central table, my head throbbing with a deep ache that made my worst hangover seem like an orgasm. My right eye, along with half the right side of my head, was completely bandaged. I tried to get my bearings, forcing myself up just enough to look around. Odin was over by the hearth, mixing something in a small bowl. "'Ah!' he said, perking up. "'You're awake.' "'How long was I out?' I asked, sitting up. Two days,' he replied, matter-of-factly. "'It's best to sleep while the healing spells do their work. Speaking of which—' He stopped mixing and brought the bowl to me. It was full of a steaming, foul-smelling brew. Never mind the smell, just drink it down. What's in it? Alex, he smiled and shook his head. You should know better than that. Drink. I did, and as I swallowed the last bitter drop, I felt a wave of blissful comfort wash over me like nothing in the world would ever or could ever hurt me. Feels good, doesn't it? Safe. The potion is called Baldur's Bliss, after my fallen son. Odin was suddenly somber. The feeling it brings is bright and beautiful, and Baldur was both. It makes you feel loved by all the world, every creature, every stone, every atom, just like he was, or thought he was. For just like his faith, this feeling is a lie, a trick. You see Frigg, his mother, cast enchantments over all things she thought a threat, so that none could harm her beloved Balder. 
but it was all pride and folly. Rather than safeguard our son, her overreaching sealed his fate. In her myopic fervor, Frigg neglected to enchant anything she deemed too slight to matter, like the humble mistletoe. Thinking Balder invulnerable, we made a sport of pelting him with swords, spears, stones, even Thor's hammer. One by one, they fell to the ground, leaving him unscathed, and we all delighted in his seemingly inextinguishable light. All except my blood brother, Loki. Ever eager to spread strife, that cunning wise schemer coaxed from Frigg the flaws in her magic and fashioned a mistletoe arrow. Going slyly among the others, Loki found my blind son, Hod. Surely, he said to Hod, you two would like to join in this newfound sport. Let me help you. Loki knocked the mistletoe arrow to his bow, handed it to Hod, and aimed for him. And then Hod, that damned blind fool, loosed the arrow that killed my son. They were both your sons, I blurted. Odin fixed me with a withering, one-eyed stare that made me immediately regret my wagging tongue. What I meant was... I'm sorry for your loss, I said, entirely aware of how little that mattered. As am I, he replied, his mood softening from anger back to melancholy. When Balder died, I fell into a frenzy of grief and rage, drowning my loss in blood and death. I became hated by your kind as well as my own, who would no longer tolerate my presence. It was many long years before they welcomed me back, albeit hesitantly. Your kind was already all but lost to me, drawn into Michael's shining lie. As opposed to your dark and creepy lie? Odin cracked a very slight smile. Yes, Alex. It's a lucky thing for you that I find irreverence endearing. Now then, let's have a look at that eye. He walked over to where I sat on the edge of the hall's long table and began to unwrap the layers of bandages. As the last bits came off, Odin handed me a mirror and stepped just out of sight. I blinked a few times until focus returned, then I raised the mirror. Where my right eye had been, there was a pitch black orb, black like that place between places that Odin and I had passed through to get here. Within the blackness were curling waves like pale smoke. Truth be told, it actually looked pretty badass, residual bruising notwithstanding. I looked around and found, somewhat to my disappointment, that everything looked the same. Until I saw Odin. His physical form, the one I knew, was still there, but it was dim all but subsumed by the larger shadow form that loomed behind. This form was dark and terrible, pulsing with a barely contained and furious energy that swirled and twisted within. One burning eye blazed like an ancient and terrible star. On his shoulders perched two large ravens made of the same shadow substance, and at his feet sat two shadow wolves. 
Wow, I said, ever a master of understatement. Is that what you really look like? Technically, I look however I want to look. I could appear as a teenage girl if it suited my needs, and have, he said with a chuckle. But I've always found this form the most comfortable. What your new vision allows you to see is our essence, which is ever the same no matter what form we choose to wear. As you become accustomed to this new perception, you will find that you can dial it down for familiar faces, but it will always act as a sort of alarm when you see one of us for the first time. For now, you might want to wear this. Odin handed me a leather eye patch. It served me well enough. I did as he suggested and tied the patch on. As soon as it was in place, the eye was covered and my vision went back to normal. So... What about these third-generation half-breeds you mentioned? Oh, them. Odin spat the words out like poison. In times past, my kind bred selectively amongst ourselves, with rare exception. It has now become Michael's policy to encourage his angels to breed with mortals on a larger scale. Half-breeds are strong and fast, more than a match for any human, but they lack pure blood's capacity to influence mind and matter. Still, they are many, and they blend seamlessly into your world, occupying strategic positions and helping to further Michael's ends. What about you? I queried. Are there any little Odinlings running around out in the world? Perhaps, he said. But they are few and far between, most many generations distant from me and so diluted as to be all but human. Only a handful could lay claim to any real power or purpose, and it remains to be seen if they are worthy. My head was spinning with information overload, and it must have shown. Odin paused and said somewhat more softly, It's a lot to take in, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. For now, rest and recover. A few days should set you right. Then it's time to go digging in the dirt. I spent the next two days in a comfortable haze thanks to copious amounts of Odin's secret recipe magic juice, enjoying his hospitality and feasting on incredible spreads that arrived at regular intervals, always delivered by a pair of comely Nordic blondes who, to my disappointment, never stuck around. So, what's up with the twins? I inquired after one such delivery. Forget it, Alex, Odin replied with a wolfish grin. Valkyries. You might die smiling, but die you surely would. Thanks for the warning, I replied, but if I ever decide to punch my own clock, I think I'm going with death by Valkyrie. You say that now, Alex. But the next time they stop by, give a glance with your new eye, and I promise you'll change your mind. He was right about that. When Blonde and Blonder returned, this time with a particularly lavish array of goodies, I hoisted the patch to get a better look. The comely forms I'd found so alluring were immediately transformed into terrifying gray shapes with smoldering blackened wings, blazing eyes, and ferocious gaping mouths. I shuddered, replaced the patch, and closed my other eye tight until I heard them leave and shut the door behind them. Told you, Odin said, chuckling. 
He seemed to drift off for a moment as if lost in thought, then snapped back to the here and now and smiled. I almost forgot, he said, turning to the table full of food. We are expecting a visitor. And he's due... Odin inclined his head as if trying to hear a faint or distant sound. Any moment now. Alex, you may remember that I said all angels are humorless assholes, with one exception. Well, meet the exception. He raised one arm in a dramatic conjurer's flourish on the last part, paused, waited a few seconds, then shot an impatient, slightly annoyed glance over his shoulder. After a few deep breaths, Odin rolled his eyes and pursed his lips, now quite definitely irked. Any time now, he said exasperatedly. Suddenly and silently, a black-haired man appeared out of thin air a few feet behind Odin's chair, stepping out of the darkness like he was exiting a tent. My host, apparently well occupied by his mounting self-righteous anger, took no notice but continued to fume, the new arrival dressed in loose-fitting black pants and a white linen shirt, his ink-dark hair worn long pulled back in a tight ponytail high on the back of his head. He smiled and raised a slim finger to his lips. There was a mischievous glint in the stranger's deep almond-shaped eyes that seemed sly but not malicious, so I decided to keep mum, see what his game was. Meanwhile, Odin was beginning to redden and sputter with frustration. Of all the arrogant, if that smirking schemer thinks he can play me for a fool, me! The dark man's grin only widened as Odin raged and I struggled to maintain my poker face. The final straw came when Odin pounded the table between us and barked, Motherfucker! The stranger collapsed into howling fits of laughter. Odin sprang to his feet, overturning his chair in the process, which only made the dark-haired man laugh harder and louder. Odin looked nothing short of murderous for a moment, then his expression softened. Gabriel, you miserable son of a bitch. Don't I get enough chaos and mischief from my own clan? Sorry, the angel laughed, advancing to meet Odin and placing a gentle hand on his shoulder. I never could resist the chance to ruin a carefully planned moment. I should have expected something like this from you, Odin said, smiling. It is good to see you again, old friend. And this, he said, turning to me, is Alex, the one I told you about. He'll be our boots on the ground, and it's your job to help prepare him. Gabriel walked closer, looking me up and down like I was a used car, he laughed softly. Well, I suppose you'll do. Personally, I think this whole errand is madness, but I'm only too happy to tell you what I can in the vain hope of briefly delaying your impending violent death. Gee, thanks, I cracked. You really know how to sweet-talk a guy. This one's got spirit, Gabriel said to Odin. Who knows? I could be wrong. Maybe he'll even survive. I was pondering my next wise-ass remark when I noticed the feeling in my new eye. A persistent sort of itch demanding my attention, almost like it had something it wanted to show me. I lifted the patch and got my first real peek at an angel. Gabriel looked like he was made of red gold fire, not a raging inferno, but a sleek, elegant pyre, its tongues licking fast and fluid. 
His eyes burned both dark and bright, flames within flames within flames. It was a little overwhelming seeing these two beings together in all their terrible beauty, Odin's swirling darkness alongside Gabriel's golden light. Whatever bit of verbal snark I'd been brewing died on the vine, choked by awe and fear. I lowered the patch, then made a rare choice and opted for silence. Mouth shut. Time to listen. It's good to meet you, Alex, Gabriel smiled. Love the eye. Now, let's get down to business. I nodded. What do you know about the Church of Individuology? Gabriel asked me. Well, not much beyond the basics, started by some hack mystery writer or something like that. Not sure what they believe, but I know they have a lot of money and some very busy lawyers. All true. The origins of the church do not for the moment concern us, nor do their beliefs, for that matter. It's all vague, new age bullshit anyway. But it might help you to understand how they operate. They appeal to those who are disillusioned with traditional forms of religion, those who are looking for something different. That's been true from their founding, even before Michael. He merely saw their organization as a perfect vehicle to spread his influence under yet another guise. And so he took over, which was, as you can well imagine, child's play for him. Makes sense, so he's got this shiny toy. What does he do with it? As I said... It's all about influence, control. That's all religion has ever been to Michael. So the church must recruit pretty aggressively, I offered. They do, Gabriel replied. Do they take walk-ins? I mean, could I just march up to the main campus and say, I want in? You could, but you'd get little more than a surface view, or you could wait until the day after tomorrow, a little before noon. Why, what happens then? At noon, Michael himself will be giving a very special address in the main auditorium. If you want to get a look at the man himself without drawing too much attention, this would be the time. Just be careful how you flash that eye around. It looks suspicious at best, and Michael may even be able to sense it, especially if it's unveiled and active. Great. That's great. So, I'm going in marked by this magic eight ball in my skull, and I can't even fire it up? Why don't you just slather me with whatever the fuck it is that attracts angels? I paused. Is there actually something that attracts angels? Murr, Gabriel replied. Okay, fine then. Why don't you... Wait, Murr? Seriously? Yes. Note to self. Never smell like Murr. Alex, you're overreacting, Odin chimed in. He's not saying you can't use the eye, just be discreet. You know full well how to do that, it's part of your job. Fine, discreet, got it, I said, then turned back to the angel. What can you tell me about the nuts and bolts of the place? Security, layout, exits? Over the next few hours, Gabriel gave me a painful level of detail about Michael's world. Most of it fairly mundane stuff, but important. I asked a lot of questions, and I took a lot of notes. The whole process would have gone faster if it weren't for Odin's infuriating but predictably old-school taste in stationery. No pens, no paper, just a large golden feather sharpened to a quill and a well of red-black ink and rolls of antique parchment to write on. 
I had to ask Gabriel to repeat himself, repeatedly, while I struggled to keep up and made an ink-spattered mess of it. Fortunately, there was the food, and we all helped ourselves to the epic feast laid out on the long table. The angel was quite patient, even good-humored, and full of useful information. There was nothing about this assignment that wasn't twenty different kinds of crazy, but at least I'd be going in well-informed. After Gabriel departed, I spent one last night as Odin's guest. Then my disfiguring but enlightening little vacation was over, and it was time to get to work. He took my arm just as before and guided me through the void, back to the dim, cool comfort of my apartment. This trip was a little less terrifying than the first, but only a little. Even a second spent touching oblivion was one second too long. My new patron wished me well and then slipped back into the black, headed who knows where. For the first time in days, I was alone. I was at a loss to make sense of him. Odin, I mean. He was fascinating, charming when he wanted to be, and I was more than a little starstruck. This is a god we're talking about, after all. But always, the corner of my mind, a constant sense of unease, restlessness like a dark and terrible foreboding. In other words, he scared me. A lot. Still, there was something strangely concerned, almost paternal, in the way he looked at me sometimes. Sometimes. This has been The Gods We Belong To, Episode 3. The Gods We Belong To is written, performed, edited, and produced by Dan Goldstein. Theme music is I'll Drive by Daniel Birch. Additional episode music The Fugue, Metal Drone, Glass Bells Dancing with a Synthesizer, Rise of the Phosphor, Golden Bunny, and The Elevator Game by Daniel Birch, and Synchronicity by Unheard Music Concepts. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word. Tell a friend, better yet, tell multiple friends. You can even tell an enemy if you want. Post, tweet, shout from an open window. Five-star reviews are particularly helpful However you do it, thank you. You can find the show on Twitter at Gods We Belong To. Episode 4 is coming in just one week, so until then, don't do anything Alex wouldn't do.